You know the problem with Hollywood is? They make shit. Unbelievable, unremarkable shit. Now, I'm not some grungy wannabe filmmaker that's searching for existentialism through a haze of bong smoke or something. <laughs> no, it's easy to pick apart bad acting, short-sighted directing, and a purely moronic stringing together of words that many of the studios term as prose. No, I'm talking about the lack of realism. Realism. Not a pervasive element in today's modern American cinematic vision. Take Dog Day Afternoon, for example. It's arguably Pacino's best work, short of Scarface and Godfather Part One, of course. Masterpiece of directing, easily Lamette's best. The cinematography, the, the acting, the screenplay, all top-notch, but... They didn't push the envelope. Now, what if in Dog Day, Sonny wanted to get away with it, really wanted to get away with it? What if, now this is the tricky part, what if he started killing hostages right away? No mercy, no quarter. Meet our demands are the pretty blonde and the bell bottoms gets it in the back of the head. Bam, splat. What, still no bus? Come on. How many innocent victims splattered across the window would it take to have the city reverse its policy on hostage situations? And this is 1976. There's no CNN. There's no CNBC. There's no, there's no internet. Now, fast forward to today, present time, same situation. How quickly would the modern media make a frenzy over this? In a matter of hours, it would be the, the biggest story from Boston to Budapest. Ten hostages die. Twenty. Thirty. Relentless. Bam, bim. One after another. All caught in high def, computer enhanced, color corrected. Breckley taste the brain matter. All for what? A bus? A plane? couple of million dollars that's federally insured. I don't think so, but just a thought. I mean, it's not within the realm of conventional cinema, but what if? Well, there's a problem with that movie. Really? It wouldn't work. How come? Audiences love happy endings. Pacino escapes with the money. Boyfriend gets a sex change. Love happily ever after. No? No. Ah, homophobia. Bad guy can't win. It's a morality tale. One way or the other, he's got to go down. Life is stranger than fiction sometimes. Ooh, you want them, you got them, baby. It is the best in professional podcasting between your ears right now. And in fact, we are going to go a little bit back in time because you've got the man of tomorrow's Hobbs through the rated R radio star, bringing you a little classic, a little something that, uh, well, actually I did, I released on the Zomia one underground, uh, episode, naming structure, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Uh, I mean, it used to be premium content. You know, I want to bring up something quick on that. Okay. Um, but before I do, I recently released a classic conversation, if you want to call it that. Uh, and maybe I think that's what I did end up titling it last time, but well, you'll get another classic conversation here. 
that was heavily requested uh, after I had recorded it all the way back in episode 254, and we're basically coming up on episode 395. So almost 150 episodes ago, which I assure you is as, <laughs> as hard for me to believe as I imagine it is for you. Uh, but this is all the way back from 2017. But anyway, before I talk more about that, um, I do want to mention. So actually at this time when this was getting recorded, I was still hosting the show on SoundCloud of all things talk about, because it's kind of going to be a bit of a, of, of what we open up here with is how the entertainment industry has really changed quite a bit. Um, but yeah, I was originally on so sovereign tech was on SoundCloud still hosted there at this time. And of course, not long after, uh, this episode or where this was recorded on actually is probably over a year or so, uh, after this was, that was recorded, but we ended up on Podbean. Now Podbean is a platform that is, and part of the reason that I like Podbean as a hosting service is that it's constantly adding new features. Uh, and good ones. Now I haven't, um, been able to take advantage of all of them. Um, but they are changing. They are bringing up new things as to where, you know, the entire time that I use SoundCloud and look, there's something to be said for having just a tried and true, you know, system of say hosting, you know, or system of any kind. For example, there's a reason a lot of podcasters still use Libsyn, right? Uh, even though Libsyn hasn't really changed much in probably, I don't know, a decade, as long as it's been around. Um, Podbean is not one that sits in still waters. Uh, and they recently, if you, if you use the Podbean app, if you're using any other podcast app, it's not an issue, but if you use the Podbean app, um, you'll notice there's like a letter P next to sovereign tech next to like the logo for sovereign tech. And it'll say something like buy now for 35 beans. I am working on getting this figured out with Podbean. They basically pulled a bit of a bait and switch on how premium works. If you're already a premium subscriber on there, uh, there's no change to what, to what you're experiencing, but they, their, their pricing structure, they, they just, they're trying things and I get it. And they're trying to make it so the podcasters can get funded. And I think that that's great, you know, make it easier for podcasters to get funded and so on. Um, but, Anyway, if you see that, you don't have to pay for anything if you don't want to. Uh, you know, I mean, I run on now, basically, I run on a 100% donation model. Um, and people applaud that and still support the show heavily, and I'm honored by that. And please, if you wish to do so, of course, just go to SovereignTech.com and, and you can make it happen there. But if you notice that, if you do happen to use the Podbean app for as your podcast app, um You'll see that, but nothing has changed. All the episodes still come out for free. There's nothing you need to do. You don't have to buy anything. Um, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I got in touch with their customer service and said, Hey, you know, what is this? This is going to confuse people. Um, this is not a good UI decision. This is a problem anyway. So just so you know what, what that is, if you noticed it happened this week, because it kind of came out of nowhere and I was just as shocked. You know, this is something that annoys me. Again, we're going to get into a conversation about the entertainment industry and technology in general and how it relates to something. Oh, here's a controversial term, rent seeking, um, which I think has only increased. Um, but regardless, uh, I just, you know, I, I it's, it's crazy how many podcast apps I have to have installed just to make sure that everything looks decent on all of these, you know, fairly popular podcast apps. Um, and, and, 
uh, it, it, it's, it really is a pain in the ass. Um, but unlike other podcasters, I actually care. Um, and you know, I do most of this myself, so it falls on me and I, and I really, I wish, I wish I don't want anything to be centralized. I like that podcasting is a decentralized platform at all, but I wish somebody would just get their act together on collecting metrics. And I don't know what to do about like the varying feature sets, but uh, it's just fucking annoying. Anyway, talking about fucking annoying. Let's talk about the entertainment industry. Now, what you're about to hear, I am re-releasing some audio that I compiled from, like I said, episode 254 of Sovereign Tech back in 2017. Um, After I went on this tirade, this rant, and you'd think, how could you have any kind of deep philosophical conversation around Superman and Blu-rays? Let me assure you... (laughs) That the man of tomorrow, and I don't mean Superman, I mean me. Uh, wait, are they one in the same? I just took my glasses off. No, uh, let me assure you that I can do that <laughs> and it'll make sense. Um, so this was, this was, again, very popular. I had a lot of listeners request, uh, you know, Stallion, you, you should cut that out, get that up on YouTube. We want to be able to share it with people easily, share it with coworkers, share it with, and hey, there is nothing, there is perhaps nothing that honors me more than when any listener shares my content with, you know, someone that they know with someone else. I mean, that that's, I can't describe the amount of, uh, or how honored I feel by that. But regardless, um, yes, this is a conversation. I assure you, I don't, if you don't care about Blu-ray discs, if you don't care about physical media, if you don't care about the entertainment industry, blah, blah, blah. I still think there's something for you to get out of listening to this because there are business practices going on around you uh, that I don't know that you're exactly aware of um, that I think speak to broader issues in the marketplace as it exists. And I think that there's some understanding to pull uh, from these practices as they relate to uh, home video and so on. And, you know, home video Again, we're three years, almost four years later now than when I initially recorded this. This is before there were as many streaming services as there are now. Um, The entertainment industry, and partly, you know, due to COVID-19, the entertainment industry has really dramatically shifted. And I don't know if it's ever going to look the same again. I think there are a lot of things that are going to go back to a... Uh, a degree of normalcy. I, I just, I think that's going to happen, but there are, and, and it's not just about COVID-19. There are aspects of the, particularly as it relates to Hollywood and feature films that I think are going to be changed forever. Um, and you know, part, part of that, and I think this is a big question on everybody's mind do we ever really go back to seeing movies in theaters again? And there are a lot of people who basically theorize at this stage. I mean, the sales for 4k, okay. Movies, uh, I don't think are going through the roof and it's not just because it's a quote unquote new technology. Um, I don't think you've gotten people to buy. I mean, you're basically at, the fourth or fifth 
major, and I say major because there's been a lot of stuff in between, major uh, uh, stages of, you know, re-releases of films. Basically, my point is, okay, because again, this conversation is going to talk about Blu-rays, software around it. I mean, that all of that that you're going to hear, but I want to update some of it here in this opening intro. Basically, what we're running into now is that, you know, with video games, okay, people have bought Super Mario Brothers 10 times, right? Here's the thing with, you know, video game re-releases of video games and, and Super Mario Brothers might not be the, the, the best example, but, you know, remasters of video games, lots of these other things, very, very popular today for varying reasons. Part of those also have to do with COVID-19, right? Uh, because it's just, it's easier to just have to remap retexture. And I'm not saying it's not hard work. I know that as a game developer myself, I know what goes into a remaster and it, I mean, it's tough, right? But it's a lot easier than making an, making an entirely new game. And you also have the built-in audience that loved the game the first time that may want to pay for it again, or you have people, you know, with their nostalgia goggles on or, or whatever. And I don't say that, uh, I don't insult the concept of nostalgia goggles. Um, but the thing is, is that with remastering games, while you are just remastering a game, a lot of times like Nintendo will do this. Plenty of companies will do this. They'll add in new levels or new features or whatever there is. There's a value prop involved as to where with, you know, jumping from VHS to DVD. Now there's a massive value prop involved right there, but then jumping DVD to Blu-ray and then jumping, you know, Blu-ray to 4k, like, is there the same, wow, should I hash out another $30, $40 again for this film that I already have on Blu-ray, which frankly already looks amazing, even upscaled on my 4K TV? And I think that's that's something that studios, movie studios particularly, television shows, kind of the same boat, but not exactly. But I think that's that's a fact that they're running into, is that people are not seeing the value prop of rebuying films. I mean, it's not uninteresting that you know, like the studios are basically offering, you know, when they sell a 4k film, it'll come with the Blu-ray version. It'll come with the DVD version or, or vice versa. If you're buying the Blu-ray, it'll come with the Blu-ray and it'll come with the DVD granted. I mean, you know, there, there's, there's a, a, an affair with cost there as in, it doesn't really cost much to toss in a Blu-ray disc, or it doesn't really cost much to toss in a DVD uh, or whatever. Okay. But part of the, the, you know, what's going on here, is that the studio can't count on, frankly, either Blu-ray or 4K to sell the movie on its own merits. Okay. Um, I don't think this isn't a, there's, there's so many places we need to go with, with I, cause I do want to update the conversation a little bit of what you're about to hear, but what you're about the audio from 2017, you're about to hear is still incredibly important. Um, in my opinion and in your opinion, that's why it ended up getting re-released. And now I'm putting it, uh, you know, into the feed in its compiled form, uh, for the first time I'm, I'm re-entering it here. Kind of like we did recently with the egoism conversation that we had anyway. So, you know, you get a lot of people who say, oh, DVD is dead, blah, blah, blah. I mean, no, it, it's not. Okay. <laughs> uh, I've brought this up. I think I might mention it briefly in this conversation you're about to hear, but DVD is still sometimes either the only way to get a copy of something on physical with special features and all that. 
And and by the way, the addition of special features like new special features in 4K obviously is not enough to get people enticed. But also, you know, with those special features, um, I mean, again, it can be so some things have never gotten re-released, be it due to licensing issues or whatever. Some things have never gotten re-released on Blu-ray or certainly 4K. Uh, but also the best way, like the most complete package uh, of getting a film might be the DVD version. And you'd be amazed at how many movies have never actually even made it to Blu-ray, even after all of these years. You know, and for some of these films, we're talking, I mean, Blu-ray's not not that old, but Blu-ray's been around, what, over 10 years now, well over a decade. DVD's been around for 20, 20 plus. Um, for example, True Lies with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, a massive, wild hit by James Cameron. I mean, and a great film, in my opinion. Uh, has never been released on Blu-ray, never touched 4K, never happened. Will it? Maybe someday. Uh, I don't know, but uh, that's one of those things that I'm just surprised, you know, has not happened. But bottom line being is that some things, the only way you can get them uh, as far as on disc is, you know, is via DVD. Now, before anybody says anything about torrenting, trust me, I am so pro-torrenting, you have no idea, or you'll get an idea when you hear my conversation about it, Okay. But let's continue with, you know, with where we're going with this. And part of the reason also that I'm re-releasing this audio is because it's part of a larger conversation that I want to have uh, in the next episode of Sovereign Tech about 4K, because we need, basically, we need to put that tech in the coffin. And you need to realize that you are buying into 100% marketing bullshit. 100%. You, I want you to understand that. So bottom line in talking about 4K, you know, Blu-rays and DVDs here, uh, movie studios cannot, just cannot cover, they, they can't cover their bills on home video sales alone. Now, they have moved on to streaming services in a very real way, like will future Star Wars movies all be released on Disney Plus instead of in movie theaters because movie theaters are going to go the way of the dodo. I don't know that I believe that. I think movie theaters are going to stick around. Movie theaters absolutely ran into trouble, are getting sold off, uh, you know, because of COVID-19 and so on. Uh, did somebody pull some strings to be able to take advantage of COVID-19, to be able to make that happen, to take advantage of the very real situation going on? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I'm sure that's happened in the restaurant industry and a lot of mom and pop industries, which Still, most of the theater business was basically mom and pop at the beginning anyway of 2020. That may no longer be true. Um, also, I mean, major chains like AMC and Regal, you know, obviously they are running into their issues and, and you know, either are in process of getting sold off or are. Uh, so what's, you know, as far as that happening, I mean, I don't think anybody's really surprised and people are like, well, you know, maybe a Bezos is going to swoop in or whatever. Well, here's the funny thing about this movie studios. And I think this would technically still fall under say Amazon studios or Netflix legally. They actually can't own movie theaters. However, 
Because while that makes all the sense in the world that, oh, the movie theater business is in trouble, it would only make sense for streaming services to expand their operations and move into movie theaters, like a lot of people already thought was going to happen, say with movie pass and acquisitions around that. We've had these conversations on Sovereign Tech uh, over the years. Of course, it's funny. You're going to hear me talk about movie pass in the 2017 audio you're about to hear. Uh, I mean, that's, that's basically gone. <laughs> um, but you would think it makes all the sense in the world for Netflix to want to open its own theaters for Amazon to open its own theaters for the movies that it makes and everything. I mean, and you know, look, these movies that are getting released on these streaming services by, you know, Netflix and Amazon, I mean, they are triple a films, you know, starring triple a actors. I mean, you have the, you know, Netflix has more than one movie with the rock, uh, in it, you know, they get Ryan Reynolds, Gal Gadot and so on. I mean, like it, it's, there's no, there's no real difference there. So, but there's an ironic thing and ironic in the, the, the very, the ha ha. There is an ironic thing that happened in 2020. And that is president Trump, uh, overturned the paramount decree or his administration overturned the paramount decree. The paramount decree is a very old law. It's an old antitrust case from 1948. So you have to understand something about the movie industry in 1948. Okay. I mean, TV wasn't even really a thing. The movie industry in 1948, when you had a studio, okay, say, you know, you know, pick your studio, MGM, uh, you know, whoever they would own, uh, you know, the studio where movies get made, right? Like, you know, the buildings you see for Warner brothers and so on, right? The lots, you know, the Paramount parking lots and all this, you, you know, I mean, they would have all of that, right? But then they would also own the movie theaters or they would have affiliate partnerships with the movie theaters and they would, and, and people forget about this. There was a time when basically the directors, the actors, the musicians, everybody involved with the production of a film actually were, they weren't free agents, right? Like right now the rock can make a movie for Disney. The rock can make a movie for Netflix at the same time. The rock can make a movie for 20, you know, for, well, Fox is Disney. Now the rock can make, you know, for whatever studio he wants to, he can make, um, you know, he, he can make a movie with them. He can be a free agent. Well, in the 1940s and, and earlier, that was not possible. You were, you know, Humphrey Bogart was an actor for whatever studio owned his ass. All right. Errol Flynn was, you know, owned by, you know, say MGM or whoever. Okay. Um, and sometimes a movie studio would loan out one of their actors, like say Errol Flynn to, you know, Warners or, or you know, whatever they would loan them out, but then, you know, they were still under contract and there had to be varying deals made. Um, you know, the, the studios, the Hollywood studios really had a monopolistic hold, even though they, you know, they're in competition with themselves, but they had a monopolistic hold on how a movie gets made in general. It was, I mean, and you know, yes, actors still lived some pretty lavish lives. Directors did as well under this system, but actors, directors, and everybody else, I mean, they were so excited. They were very supportive of when, uh, you know, basically the U S government got involved and there's more behind this, you know, not McCarthyism, but 
sort of, there's more behind this, but we'll, you know, it has to do with propaganda in general, but that's a conversation for another time. Bottom line being is that in 1948, the U S government basically stepped in and said, and it's called the Paramount decree famously, but they basically said, okay, movie studios, you cannot own all the people underneath you. You know, you can't own the actors necessarily. You can't own the the, the director and you can't own or have affiliate relations uh, or partnerships with the movie theaters. So now you could argue that because that allowed for greater competition and a more decentralized process um, in entertainment, that that led very quickly to a lot of the, the, the rapid, uh, how should we put this? The, the rapid improvement, shall we say in, in film quality. And that goes from the actors to the direction to, you know, uh, uh, music, you know, to, to, to movie soundtracks to go down the list. Okay. Or, you know, what like movie theaters were able to do, right? Because maybe they could take advantage of more standards based technology and they weren't just pushing whatever supposed wonderful, you know, technicolor tech that, that Paramount was putting out, you know, like they, they could work on independent technologies as far as, you know, related to film. So, you know, you could make the argument that, that the, the decentralization or the competition that came into the space around that, uh, only helped the movie industry. Well, I don't think it's, in my opinion, I find it very interesting. And I know there are a lot of different theories, some of them more in the conspiratorial bent, but there are a lot of theories as to why Hollywood actors, you know, in the entertainment industry in general, seem to get so involved in the 2020 election, presidential election. I mean, they were really, really, really involved. I mean, like they, they, I, you know, speaking of the rock who I mentioned earlier, I mean, this is a guy who is so popular partly because he doesn't really, he doesn't rock the, you know, no pun intended. He doesn't rock the boat too much, you know, like he keeps his opinions mainly to himself and he only talks about hard work and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not saying he doesn't say good things as far as that goes, but he doesn't really put his neck out there, you know, to where he could lose his fan base in any way by saying something controversial. Well, I mean, even he came out and said, oh no. And he did like an interview and he, you know, he said, I'm, I'm supportive of Biden Harris, blah, blah, blah. You know, and he went down that whole thing. Um, I, th- I would suggest I would, what I'm going to put forward to you is the possibility that the reason that, uh, a lot of actors, directors, and, you know, a lot of the entertainment industry in general got so involved and were so seemingly passionate about this election in particular might have been because Trump caused a lot of trouble and I, and I don't think it's anything good, but he caused a lot of trouble by, you know, eliminating, overturning the Paramount decree, thus allowing now for movie studios to own movie theaters. This basically opened the door for Netflix to have its own movie theaters for, you know, Amazon to have its own movie theaters. And all they have to do, look, it's not an expensive proposition. They just need to buy up all the ones that closed shop during COVID-19. But now also they can start to create, they can start to recreate what they had in the forties where they had, uh, you know, actors were basically employees and not independent contractors anymore. And look, this is ultimately when you can't, you know, (laughs) when you become an employee to a studio, 
I mean, there are some actors who I think are going to stay somewhat of free contractor or, you know, independent contractors like say the rock and some others, but you know, going into the next decade, I think you're going to end up with a lot of actors who, I mean, and really, you know, there's a lot of great actors out there. Some of which you're never going to know their name. The ones you know, the name for are not necessarily the best actors or the greatest actors or the only great actors out there. They're the ones that, you know, the hype machine pushes whatever's behind the hype machine and entertain in the entertainment industry. Okay. And so if, you know, Disney wants to push their bevy of, I mean, and they basically have employees anyway, ultimately, um, but if they want to push their people and only their people in their franchises and they own the biggest franchises in the world, Marvel, Star Wars, go down the list, that's what they'll do. And you'll basically be forced to only know their actors, right? And they'll slowly, you know, shove out, um, you know, the, 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 the classic greats. I mean, granted, a lot of them are dying anyway. I'm not saying that's a good thing, but <laughs> obviously, but um, I can imagine you know, a lot of the, uh, like old new guard in Hollywood is probably flipping out now that the paramount decree has been, you know, overturned. Uh, I don't, I don't know if I want to use the term decriminalized, but now that the paramount decree no longer exists, uh, they're probably flipping out because that's going to hit their bottom lines. That's going to hit their paychecks because now what the movie studios are going to do is they're going to push, you know, contract deals and, I mean, here, so here's the funny thing is that say people want to go back to movie theaters and they want to go to movie theaters. I mean, part of the reason that the Paramount decree was successful was because, I mean, the, the U S government made in conventional terms, an easy case, right? Saying that, Hey, you know, that theater down the street, you could be seeing a lot more movies there, but you can't because Paramount only puts Paramount films there. So, so that that's kind of the rub here is that, you know, the actors and directors and a lot of other parties will lose a lot of power in this because, I mean, let's say, you know, Disney bought out AMC and they can now legally, they can do this. Let's say that they bought out AMC. You're only going to see those movies at that local theater. That's it. I mean, end of story. That's all that you're going to, you know, to really end up uh, uh, seeing there. And if you're the rock and say, you don't want to become an employee to Disney to be able to be into a Disney film, but they own the largest, you know, theater chain in the country. Uh, you got to take that pay cut. Otherwise you're just not going to make movies, you know, and you could say, well, you know, some upstart will come up and whatever, you know, and, and whatever. Um, yeah, but right now, I, I mean, again, the way that the, the economy has been really, really thrashed throughout 2020, you know, coming, it's going to be a hard sell right now to push, you know, you creating a whole new theater chain, you know, for some upstart company to try and do that, that that's, that's going to be a fucking challenge. And so these major Hollywood studios that are able to ride out, uh, 2020 and a lot of them are, they, you know, they're going to come out of this, you know, 10 times stronger than they were in 2019 because they can ultimately end up owning all of the movie theaters and they can really, really take control over what movies, you know, what options you even have to go and do on a Friday night. Now I'm not defending, uh, the movie theaters ability to do that. I'm not defending the actors. I think most of them are 
assholes, quite frankly. I'm not defending the directors. I'm not defending anybody in this at all. Okay. All I'm doing is pointing out to you and theorizing to some degree how the entertainment industry could be changing. Now I started getting into why were the actors so on board with getting, you know, why were they all supporting Biden? You know, why were they so hot on that? And I think part of it is, is that maybe what could end up happening because of this very scenario. And again, I think Biden could make a very, or, you know, the Biden administration can make a very easy case to why they need to re-implement the Paramount decree. Um, I imagine he might have said to a lot of these actors, Hey, you know, an entertainer support me and I'll re-implement the antitrust laws that allowed you to get, you know, some, some really sweet paychecks and, you know, is, is the screen actors guild, you know, probably behind this in some way, maybe sure the teamsters, Hey, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> point being is, I mean, that, that's something that to me, I think makes a lot of sense. It's certainly, it's not like they were supporting Biden out of any kind of ethics. I mean, no way, you know, the, the, these people, live completely different lives in any way related to the bulk of the people that for some dumbass reason support them on Twitter. So bottom line, I would not be surprised if the Biden administration does uh, re-implement the Paramount decree. Uh, I don't know what that process looks like, but it would not surprise me if it occurs or if they end up, you know, doing some kind of new one even. Um, one that would affect streaming services, because here's, if, if it doesn't happen, here's what I think will happen is that yes, you will get, you know, Disney, Netflix, Amazon, others buying up all the theater chains and making them exclusive. And yes, that would work. And not only would that work, here's why it'll really work because they will, you know, maybe they'll raise the prices or they'll create a plus version of their monthly subscriptions. That will allow you to, if you say have a Disney plus subscription, pay a couple extra bucks, you know, uh, a month, a month more, and you can go and see this new release in theaters, right? In, in Disney theaters, now newly, you know, minted, newly branded Disney theaters. And that that'll be the continued value prop because like, we're going to talk or like, you're going to hear me talk about from 2017, the movie industry for a very long time has known that home video itself in its raw form. And I mean, raw form as in Blu-rays, DVDs, and so on, uh, ultimately disempowers the, well, <laughs> the, the profitability, perhaps the extreme profitability that the entertainment industry would want to enjoy. Uh, and understand the entertainment industry, you know, that profitability isn't just about, you know, how much money can we get from the suckers sitting at home or how much money can we get from the suckers getting their asses and seats in the theaters? It's also how much can we, or rather how little do we have to spend to get a movie made, you know, and how little originality because originality gets expensive. How little original originality and creativity do we have to put on the screen? So all of this really points at, you know, uh, overturning the, the, the Paramount decree really. And, and a lot of, you know, again, theater chains shutting down or getting sold off uh, throughout 2020, all of this points at where these studios, their schemes get to come true and the power that they enjoyed you know, in the 1940s, uh, really comes back and is, is 10 times stronger than it even was then. 
And I think that whole conversation very much relates and gives an update to where we're at, because as you'll hear me talk about the issues that I had around just playing in this 2017 audio, all I was trying to do was play a Blu-ray of the 1978 Superman, a newer release and the challenges that came along there too. And you get to hear me explain all of it. It points at all of the dangers and problems of what is going on in the modern entertainment industry and what might be to come. But I'd be remiss if I didn't say, well, there is the chance that the Paramount decree would end up getting re-implemented. Um, and I, I, look, and folks, I don't want any government solutions whatsoever, either the removal of the Paramount decree or its implementation. I don't like either of it because it's all bullshit. Okay. Don't confuse me here that I'm somehow supportive of uh, the paramount decree or that somehow I'm supportive of Trump overturning it or whatever. No, I, I'm, I'm just, <laughs> it's all horseshit, but it does have something to say to, you know, what the future of entertainment in general will look like, what it means for streaming services, what it means for movies, what it means for lots of, for lots of other things, but inject what's happening right now, include that in with what I'm about to share from 2017 and I think you're looking at a picture where, well, you know, hold on to your discs, <laughs> hold on or, or pirate everything one or the other or both. I do both. I, I love, you know, ultimately I love Blu-rays. I have a massive Blu-ray collection, but I also have, you know, terabytes upon terabytes upon terabytes of downloaded films. Some of those, it, it's the only way that I can get them. I mean, literally the only way I could get them. In fact, funny, funny story. Ellen and I were just watching uh, the 2003 movie Daredevil with with Ben, Aff uh, ben Affleck and uh, and Jennifer Gardner. I I really really like that movie. I think it's a fine fine film, a fine comic book film, real comic book film because it treats comic books like comic books where they don't have to be hyper realistic, right? Uh, or gritty or well the gritty's fine, but I mean because it's it's kind of a gritty film. But you you know what I mean where they tried to make everything seem more real world. No, I I just want my comic books with fidelity put on the screen, not the shit that we get today or the very not safe nature of uh, or very safe I should say not not safe but the very safe nature of Marvel films, all of which are trash. Uh, so even though Daredevil was originally a Marvel film, but again it was pre Disney. We don't have to get into that. Bottom line being. Try getting your hands on the original, even on pirate sites, even, you know, even, even on torrent sites, try to get your hands on the original version of the 2003 daredevil film. Good luck. You're going to have to buy the original 2003 DVD or 2004 DVD. I suppose when it finally came out on DVD. Yeah, you can get it on Blu-ray. I think it's even in 4k. It's all the director's cut. Every single one of them is the, is the director's cut. Now the director's cut took out a lot, or I mean, took some, in my opinion, some of the best parts of that movie, they took it right out of the film. And so I wanted the original version. Of course, that's the one that Ellen was familiar with as well. And we wanted to see it. Um, you know, I ended up ha having to hash out, I mean, a whopping $4, but I ended up having to hash out four bucks to buy. In fact, it's amazing. I got a sealed version of, you know, on Amazon of, uh, you know, the original daredevil, uh, two disc set $4. And I mean, you open it up. It smells like 2003. It smells like it's been sitting around for almost 20 years, it was, but it's still sealed new, you know, but that's the only way that you could get that version of the film. And that's part of the reason, you know, you really have to go with a hybrid model here, you know, because there's things that yeah, torn sites won't even, you know, don't even touch. 
that you can't get your hands on where yeah, you still have to go out and get the disc, right? And all of that ultimately stems from issues around intellectual property. But I am going to stop there because I've already been talking for far longer about this than I planned on. But it, I mean, it's this is a conversation that has many threads. And I mean, I didn't even get to get into, you know, the issues of being able to play Blu-rays on Linux, which is a pain in the ass uh, if you're running Linux on a lower end system because you might not be able to just do the virtual machine solution. Uh, because, I mean, that's a whole other issue. Why why have they not released a Blu-ray? You know, why do they not allow the Blu-ray codecs to even get it installed on Linux? It has nothing to do with open source. Okay, why won't they? You know, I mean, like there, there's a whole conversation I have around that uh, that we can save for another time. But I think that this is... You know, this opening as well, I mean, this is kind of giving you a, a a look into what might be coming in the future. And then I think that this audio you're about to hear from 2017 is showing the, well, the initial signs that all of this might end up becoming true. Because the one way that Hollywood doesn't think, and that I think most people like to think that they think, Hollywood does not say to itself, we will make the best film ever and it will do great numbers and sell well on its own because it's just going to be the best film ever. That is not the way Hollywood thinks about making movies. They think they basically think, how can we get the largest amount? How can we dumb something down enough to get the largest amount of people to see it and you know what tricks can we do in the trailer what music can we use what tones can we use to get everyone to get asses in seats what can we do to make that happen it is not about let's make the best movie ever that people just fucking love that i mean that that's that's not the way that they think i think there's there's some might be some studios out there or some you know some directors or whoever you who might try to go for that, but that's not the way that they think. But I think most people feel that that must be how Hollywood operates. That must be the auspices that they operate under is they are trying to make the best film that they can. But I mean, even that, you know, it's art. So it, in many ways it's subjective. So with that in mind, keep that in mind that, that Hollywood is not interested in making the best movie. So how do they go about making money? Well, Let's listen to this audio from 2017 and then consider everything that we were just talking about in relations to the Paramount decree and really, you know, just how not well 4K is doing, um, you know, and home video sales in general uh, are, are, are doing. I mean, because home video sales have basically gone to, you know, a lot of the and I'm OK with this, a lot of the, the you know, little little cottage and uh, little cottage shops, as it were, like Shout Factory, uh, you know, and Arrow Films and some others. But like I said, that's enough. Let's go to it. Let's go to 2017. And uh, as one listener called it, a rant for the ages. And here is your complete picture around the entertainment industry. And uh, more, I won't come back at the end. I'll just let it ride right out. But no, don't worry about it. You know more Sovereign Tech is coming your way. And I'll see all of you on the other side after we go to 2017. Hey, all right. You know, I'm... I'm going to do, I'm going to call this, uh, this little, I mean, we're doing a very impromptu show here because we got something unique, uh, coming up, but I, you know, I'm going to call this tool of the week, this little segment right here. Okay. Uh, I was to, earlier today, ah, man, well, like I said, okay. I, I mentioned earlier that, yeah, I had, you know, this is, this is going to be kind of special because I'm actually going to kind of review three movies. 
Okay. Uh, that I think are important. And I think that there's kind of a larger, larger thing to talk about with all of those. Uh, so I, I mentioned, I saw justice league. Okay. Saw the new justice league movie. Um, I saw the new, uh, the new Thor movie, Thor Ragnarok. And then I watched, um, I watched the, well, it chalks up to like three hours and eight minutes. Okay. You can call it the three hour version or maybe even the four hour version. If you watched it on TV with commercials, it'd be the four hour version. That's how it, uh, of Superman, Superman, the movie from 1978, finish my sentence. Um, I, you know, I, I might call it the four hour version just be, even though I, the, the Blu-ray itself that I have, because it's one of the greatest movies ever made, um, you know, it says the three, the three hour extended edition on it. Um, but kind of like Dune, like there was a, uh, the original, what is it? The, the 84 Dune. Okay. That David Lynch did. There's what's called the Alan Smithy version or what I used to call, I called it the four hour version before I really understood, you know, this is when I was a teenager watching the sci-fi channel before I really understood what Alan Smithy was, you know, that that's just like, uh, that's a name that gets used if a director doesn't want to be attached to a cut of a film. And in this case, you know, that being David Lynch, uh, you know, I would call it the four hour version of Dune. Now, really, it it barely chalks up to three. But on the sci fi channel, you know, with with commercials and everything, when you'd watch that in the 90s, back when the sci fi channel was actually worth watching and was cool, uh, you know, you, it was four hours. So you called it the four hour version, you know, so so there's a part of me that just wants to call Superman, you know, the extended edition of Superman, the movie, the 78 Superman, uh, you know, the four hour version. But whatever, that's not really what we're what we're necessarily here to talk about. Anyway, I wanted to watch this movie, though. Okay. Um, I wanted to catch this Blu-ray and I had recently gotten a, uh, a new Blu-ray drive. Um, I think it's a BD, BD 5 S a pioneer BD 5 S and it was important. This, this Blu-ray, it, the Blu-ray drive is great. Okay. The drive itself is phenomenal. In fact, it can, it, it's not just a player. It's not just a Blu-ray player. It's also a burner. Um, and it can burn M discs. In fact, the one that I got ended up coming with, uh, an M disc that I will be using to store like, cause you know, the, uh, well, it can handle BDXL as well, which, you know, gets into uh, what the hundreds of gigs, you know, that that's like a 4k player almost. Which let's be clear here. This is a very confusing aspect. Well, let, let, let's, yeah, let's try and be clear here. This is a very confusing aspect of the Blu-ray industry format, I guess, uh, right now. So this, this Pioneer, uh, the, uh, what is it? What did I say? It was BDO5S. Okay. This Pioneer drive can, it claims it can do, uh, Blu-ray XL. Now, Blu-ray XL, a normal Blu-ray, you, you have a normal, you have a single layer Blu-ray, you have a double layer Blu-ray. So a normal Blu-ray can do what? 25 gigs. A dual layer can do 50. When you get into BDS, uh, BDXL, blue, you know, Blu-ray discs, XL, I think that's what they call them. Or I, I think BDXL is kind of the shortened version. You know, you get into the hundreds of gigs and this is how you get 4K content. This is how you put 4K content onto a disc because it just takes up that much fucking space, right? Um, you know, as compared to normal DVDs or what, 1080p. So, um, it's very, it is incredibly confusing and believe me, I looked, it's very confusing to find like a great simple answer as to what Blu-ray drives for computers, particularly. Okay. You know, looking for, looking for a, a 4k Blu-ray player, you know, that's just a standalone player that connects to a TV. It's easy enough to find the answers to which one actually does, uh, you know, which one does 4k, but with drives, you, it's very tough to get a clear answer because I don't think that there's any guarantee, 
and I'll have to test this out at some point, but I don't think there's any guarantee that because it says it, it handles Blu-ray XL, that that means it's a 4K player. Um, in fact, there's a really confusing thing, like on Amazon, I think there's a Samsung model that says it's 4K. What it actually is, it's a 4K upscaler, but it doesn't play 4K Blu-rays. I mean, like it, it's, it's, it's an incredibly confusing situation. Uh, to say nothing of the fact that really we've entered, I mean, there's, there's no real competitor anymore. Uh, not, not the competitors within the kind of the physical media format has, has always been like a thing. I mean, DVD, you know, ran roughshod. Right. Um, you know, VHS, I mean, yeah, you know, there was, there was Betamax for a while. Right. And there's been some others. I know Laserdisc, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you could say that Laserdisc was ta or DVD was taking on Laserdisc, but not really. I mean, that, that was only, only the, you know, kind of the connoisseurs of, of film were, were really saying, oh no, Laserdisc is still better than, than DVDs and all that. I mean, that, that's a whole long fucking history. And I'm talking about things I had no intention of talking about, but whatever I'm talking about, and we're going to run. Fuck. We'll do it live. Woo! Okay. So, you know, I mean, yeah, when after DVD, you had HD DVD, right? Which I guess might be the most comparable thing to how Blu-ray now has Blu-ray XL. But you had at the time, really, it was HD DVD versus Blu-ray. And there was some debate as to, uh, you know, which one was going to win. And look, I, I know there's been other like really um, I don't know, niche formats. Like there was that like HD VHS. I'm not kidding. There was like this really, really, in fact, it, it was technically better picture quality than a Blu-ray, but it was on tape. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not fucking kidding. And uh, I think the one or the only movie I ever saw that they, they played on it was, uh, was Blade Runner. And of course it's, that's a great demo film to, to put on, but it was stunning. It was gorgeous. Okay. I know there's been a bunch of niche ones, but we're just talking about in the popular conventional mindset. Okay. Um, HD DVD versus Blu-ray. I mean, right now Blu-ray is owning it because I don't, most people don't, I don't think they think there's any real money in going with a, a, a physical format. Now I could spend a whole ton of time talking about what I think is going to end up happening with, with physical formats. Um, there's a part, uh, not to get into the whole net neutrality thing or whatever, but there's a part of me that thinks if 4k really matters to people and look, I don't think, I actually don't think it does. I really don't think it does. Okay. Uh, it, I, I think it's very much like MP3s versus like lossless, uh, you know, codecs and everything. And look, I know there's people that love flack and they love their lossless codecs and all that. I, I, I know you're out there and I, I mean, no disrespect to you. I am not saying you're not important. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying at least in my own mind. And I know it's not just me. Most people because you can find plenty of evidence about this, plenty of research on the matter. Most people do really don't give a shit about audio quality. Like it can be good enough. There's a reason MP3s conquered, and it's not just because of what people were force fed. Okay, if people don't like something, you can force feed it all they want. If they don't like it, they're not going to accept it. All right, and you know you could have people try their Pono players and all this other horse shit. Look, it just doesn't matter. People want they'll trade sound quality for convenience, availability. And, you know, a whole slew of other things, including how much does it eat their data plan, right? I mean, because, you know, yeah, the, of course, AAC, H-E-A-A-C plus is better than MP3. No fucking shit. <laughs> no one's going to argue with you about that. But better doesn't always like chalk up to what just has the objective greatest sound quality or best compression. Better comes down, has a million different factors to it. Okay. So anyway, where, where the hell was I talking about this? 
Oh, I know what I was going to say. Okay. I don't think most people care about 4K. Like, I, I really don't. And in fact, I'll tell you something. You know when they're really not going to care about it is if, and look, this is, this has, this actually has nothing to do with net neutrality because it was happening anyway beforehand and after, you know, uh, Tom Wheeler laid down his little, you know, piss ant hammer. Okay. Uh, I mean, it, it doesn't matter. Comcast was charging. If you went over, what is it like 300 gig or something on your monthly plan, they were going to charge you They They are going to, they charge you like $10 every gigabit or something, every gigabyte after that, not gigabit, every gigabyte after that. And it, it's something like that. All right. You start streaming a whole shit ton of 4k content. What you think you're not going to use up that 300 gig in a heartbeat. Fuck. Yes, you are. This is one of the big, things. I mean, it's so funny. Like net neutrality. I know, look, I don't want to get, I don't I don't want to get lost in the weeds on it. Okay. I said this last time net neutrality was a thing before, you know, a Jeep pie was pulling his bullshit today. Okay. And, and if you listen to last week's episode, I'm, t- I'm not on, I'm not on either side of the debate. Okay. I'm standing above with the actual fucking solution that strikes the root. The problem is the goddamn infrastructure itself. The internet sucks ass. Okay. All right. We got that. So last time we talked about it, I said, I was like, look, you're missing the actual problems. You're missing the actual argument. Like I just said, the problem is the infrastructure, right? Okay. You know, the real concern is that is how these, you know, and, and whether it's title two or not, because again, like I said, when, when Tom Wheeler put it through his title two, they did nothing about the last mile to increase competition and which is supposed to be a part of title two. And also they, uh, they, they didn't get involved in price controls. Okay. So that's why Comcast is still able to charge you for all the extra gigabytes. Once you get above a certain level, right? Okay. Yeah, fine. They can't charge you on the speed, but they're going to charge you on how much you use. My overall point being Comcast is going to make a killing if you give a shit about 4k and streaming, unless, I mean, cause you see what I'm saying? Like 4k video again, you know, we were just talking about blu-rays. You need blu-ray XL to be able to handle 4k video and all that. Uh, you know, these, these discs are, 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 are already in the hundreds of gigs. You're, you're going <laughs> to, you're going to be paying out of your ass just to watch a 4k video and they know it. So unless, you know, I mean, that's the real scam is, is like, oh, let's get everybody hooked. Let's get everybody a 4k TV. Let's get everybody hooked on 4k content. And then let's charge them per gigabyte. Title two, isn't going to solve that. It didn't solve it when Tom Wheeler put it through. Do you understand? Unless you decide to say, well, I'll just start buying Blu-rays again because a Blu-ray doesn't take up any fucking data, right? It's a physical disc that you pop in. You don't have to download anything new. Well, we're going to talk about having to download new shit with it, but, uh, but you know, raw to watch a movie, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to download generally, you don't have to download anything to improve the movie necessarily experience. Uh, but we'll talk about firmware updates and software updates in a second. So I don't think, and this kind of speaks to maybe some of what we were talking about earlier in this show, I don't think that actually physical media is going to go anywhere. I don't think it's going to disappear. I've had my moments where I thought it was going to disappear, but right now I don't think so. Um, in fact, I've brought this point up many times over re- the recent years, past couple of years is that who is the number one purchaser of Blu-rays, not consumers, businesses. In fact, who's the number one business that buys Blu-rays Facebook 
What does Facebook do with Blu-rays? Are they just watching a shit ton of movies? No, they use it to store all of your data instead of keeping it off, instead of keeping it on servers. Gee, how's that request going to work out when you need that data, uh, you know, deleted? Especially what, boy, what if they're using M-Discs? Which, if you don't know about M-Discs, I'll explain what those are in a second, okay? Because the Blu-ray player that I got can can burn M-Discs, Blu-ray M-Discs as well, which is great. So, uh, yeah, no, Blu-ray's not going anywhere. Um, BD, Blu-ray XL is, sure, it's to push 4K, but I also think that it probably has a lot more practical uh, reasonings and concerns for for existing, uh, that including for reasons like Facebook, the reason why they buy blue, so many goddamn Blu-rays, because they want permanent storage and off-server storage that's reliable uh, of your data. Oh, yeah, like that shit's going to get deleted. Uh-huh. How do you, even, like I said, how do you even request that? So yeah, my point, either people are just not going to give a shit about 4k because it's going to hit them in the wallet or they're going to start buying physical media again. Might I'm totally open to it being the latter that people will just start buying physical media again. Certainly the kind of, like I mentioned, the connoisseurs, you know, the people that are like, oh, I have to, I need to taste the brain matter, you know, in, in that action movie when, uh. Uh, when I watch it, you know, those kind of people will certainly, they're the ones that are still buying Blu-rays and all that. And certainly they have a lot of money and they will buy up, you know, a lot of these discs and everything. No doubt about that. Okay. Um, but I mean, it might become a lot more than niche, you know, physical media might make a very serious comeback and it's because of, you know, what are frankly greedy fucking ISPs. Yes. They fucking are greedy. Look, look at their profit margins and you tell me they're not greedy. No, don't, don't look, we don't have to talk about net neutrality. Has nothing to do with net neutrality. They're greedy fucking bastards, straight up. And they have a centralized infrastructure that allows them to do that and to get away with it. Okay? Anyway, talking about my Blu-ray player. <laughs> it's amazing. The conversation you can have around a Blu-ray, a simple Blu-ray disk drive, USB external disk drive for a computer. Okay, so this, um, th this Pioneer Blu-ray disk drive, right? Again, it's fine. It's great. It's a little top loader. Beautiful. Does does a hell of a job. I actually like the fact that it's top loading and it's not a slider. Those sliders, I don't trust that shit. Shit gets stuck. It can do, you know, Blu-ray XL. It can do normal Blu-rays. It can do DVDs, obviously. It can burn DVDs. It can burn Blu-rays. And it can burn M-Disc DVDs and M-Disc Blu-rays. Now, if you don't know what M-Disc is, M-Disc are these, are, are, is an optical media, okay, like Blu-ray or DVD, and it comes in both flavors. Uh, not that it has a an increased size limit, like, you know, every DVD, you know, tops out if it's a single layer, it tops out of what, you know, 4.7 gig or whatever, five gig pretty much, or like four gig pretty much. Uh, and then the other one's like, you know, dual layers, what, nine, whatever. Um, you know, it, I mean, and, and then with Blu-rays, obviously 25 gig and 50 gig. Okay. But what it is, it's, it's almost literally made out of stone. Doesn't feel like it, but that's, that's its actual composition. And these are discs that you can burn and they can play in normal players. You need a special M-Disc burner to be able to make M-Disc DVDs and M-Disc Blu-rays, but to play them, to access them, you can use any Blu-ray drive or any DVD drive for their respective formats. Okay. Uh, which is really cool. But what these discs in, can do is they can last for at least a thousand years. That that's the claim. Obviously they haven't been able to test that, right? At least not that we know of. Da, da, da. Okay. But they can theoretically last for a thousand years because they're, they're almost literally made out of stone. 
So this is a really cool feature. Um, I do a lot of backing up of my stuff using MDisk, uh, you know, either DVD or now Blu-ray or whatever. It's a nice feature. It's something that it's out there. It exists. You can take advantage of it. And if it costs an extra 10, 20 bucks for a drive to have it, why the fuck not? Right. You know, I mean, that's a nice little feature to have to be able to burn that. That's cool. Um, I can't ever see, I mean, having a Blu-ray burner for any other reason doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me because Blu-ray discs cost like per burnable disc pretty much cost as much as, you know, a Blu-ray movie. Right. Like, I mean, like, I don't know the, the average, uh, what I see on Amazon, look, I don't have a ton of Blu-rays. I only have like. I don't know, the movies that matter, you know, like uh, Forbidden Planet, Blade Runner, Soldier, um, obviously Superman, the movie, like I mentioned, The Matrix, the entire Matrix trilogy, because, you know, all three of them are great. I'm not kidding about that either. But anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, you know, I, I don't I don't have a ton of Blu-rays, but when I look at Blu-rays, you know, on Amazon or when they come up in my searches or whatever, it seems like, you know, the average Blu-ray movie sells for anywhere between eight to 15 bucks. I mean, and that's, that's what a burnable Blu-ray would pretty much would, would just about cost you. Or I mean, something around there, I, I think. Um, so I can't really see like DVDs and DVD burning became a thing. Look, I used to have, I mean, a, me and a, and a great buddy of mine, we had quite the operation going, not that we were selling anything. It was for our own personal libraries. Okay. I, I mean that, but like we say, you know, when Netflix was, wasn't a streaming service at all, actually, I mean, eventually became one while we were doing this, but you know, when it wasn't even a streaming service at all and it was just, you know, renting DVDs, I mean, we would, we would, you know, we would be the, the five DVD at a time plan and <laughs> we'd, we'd have them burned inside of a day. I mean, you know, we'd just be constantly making copies of films. I mean, we, we had this whole crazy operation going. It was, it was amazing uh, because I mean, shit, it was so cheap you know, compared to a DVD's cost at the time, which is a significantly different, uh, uh, you know, uh, margin or price margin. Okay. Between, you know, with the burnable media and especially like if Best Buy would always have like a, a 50 pack of DVDs on sale for like 10 bucks or something. I mean, you got 50 movies for 10 bucks. You know, I don't think that happens with Blu-rays. I just don't, uh, you know, and, and, and it wasn't a time, you know, DVD was still the, the hotness. And so DVDs themselves would still sell easily for 30, $40. You know, like, I mean, that wasn't an outrageous price at all, uh, especially if it was a, like a really great film or, you know, a rare film, which you know, why bother with much else? But anyway, so in that sense, it made you know, it made sense to do that. So I'm not really interested other than MDisc. I have no interest in burning Blu-rays. It's just not it's not not a part of the program. OK, so. Yeah, not 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 the reason that I got that drive is is to burn Blu-rays. I mean, even with M-Disc, it's expensive to do it with Blu-rays. You know, this happened to come with one, so I'll use it. But otherwise, I just use M-Disc uh, DVDs. So anyway, I want to use point the whole point in bringing this up. Okay, I actually have a pick. I have a tool of the week. I have a piece of software I want to share with you because of an experience that I went through with this drive. I am trying to watch today. Earlier today, I am trying to watch. Superman, the movie, the extended edition, three to four hours, whatever you want to chalk it up as. Now, the Pioneer DVD player, one of the things that I looked for, or uh, Blu-ray player, one of the things I also looked for is, okay, does it happen to come with, like, movie player software? Because I know how crazy the whole piracy, you know, talking earlier, we were talking about burning DVDs and everything. I know how crazy with Blu-rays that a lot of the anti-piracy uh, uh, attempts, software, codecs, etc., you know, have gotten. I, I like, I, I'm fully, fully aware of how that goes. Like it's almost to the point where, well, okay. It, it wouldn't be, 
it would be cost effective to to try and crack um you know the 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 constant updating of of blu-ray anti-piracy uh uh, uh attempts software i don't know firmware <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I mean, it's the, the technical term would be libraries. Okay. Cause that, that's what they, that's what they, they add in or, or like the scheme, um, you know, that, that they put in, I guess measures, measures is a fine term. The anti-piracy measures that they, and they keep coming up with new ones. They keep updating them. Okay. Uh, you know, with DVDs, this was the thing. It was a, you know, constant arms race as well. And your, your ultimate weapon for the pirate was software called any DVD. Now, any DVD still exists. It's by a different company called Red Fox now as compared to the company it was before. Uh, and also now it solely exists as a subscription service. So you have to pay a fee. And I, I, don't, I forget if it's like monthly or yearly or whatever. And look, this is fine. I mean, if people are into this shit, they're into it. And, and some of you are, are doing, you know, the Dark Lord's work. And thank you for that. Okay. Uh, you know, in making this stuff available and using that kind of software, you know, maybe to get it up on torrent sites and everything, you know, what, whatever it takes. And I'll talk more about how I think that that's, <laughs> that's some very important work going on. But Anyway, um, you know, now you have to, I mean, you kind of have to pay crazy money. You might as well, like, it's, it's just about to the point, just at the point of parody where, yeah, I, I, I might, it's P-A-R-I-T-Y, not parody is in P-A-R-O-D-Y, like a porn or something. Okay. It's at the point of parody where, yeah, you might as well buy the Blu-ray disc, right? Like, let, let's make it official. Let's do it right. That's fine. And it's about to the point to where, yeah, you know what? Fine. Cyberlink, you know, I mean, their software is like the, the two main pieces of software for playing DVDs and Blu-rays and whatever else on computers for over a decade has been either WinDVD um, or, or PowerDVD from, from Cyberlink uh, specifically. So anyway, a nice thing that you can do is that when you, when you get a new optical drive of some kind, you can see, oh, hey, does it come with, uh, you know, some kind of software, some kind of player software or burner software, you know, for like Mac users, like we were talking about earlier. I mean, you know, a popular thing to do is, oh, does it come with Roxio Toast? You know, because that's a very handy piece of software. Okay. Even though a lot of OSs are starting, you know, would start to build in their own stuff, even though, but then at the same time, OSs are scaling back in what they make available because they think everything's going into streaming. And so, you know, they don't give a shit about the, you know, and they'll, they'll let other companies kind of charge the premium to be able to handle physical media uh, or, you know, or something like this. So fine. This player, I check it out. It comes with power DVD. Okay, great. You know, I, I, I can install that on the computer and then I can play this Blu-ray fine because it's a very new Blu-ray, specifically the Superman one um, that I got, like just came out beginning of November, I think, or maybe it was beginning of October, whatever. It, it's brand spanking new. I, I pre-ordered it. Okay. <laughs> Cause I knew it was coming. Um, I mean, I do do that sometimes like in February, uh, of 2018, there's a two disc special edition of black Eagle. If you've never seen black Eagle, holy shit. This is uh, one of Van Damme's first films. He's the villain. The hero is played by Shokasugi, which anybody that's into like ninja movies and all that, especially from actually from Southeast Asia, everybody knows Shokasugi. I mean, this, this is a legend. The movie is fucking awesome, and and the the two disc uh, Blu-ray that they have coming out actually has the the 104 minute or like the extended cut um, of Black Eagle, one of my favorite movies. I mean, I watched that before I saw Bloodsport, before I saw you know Lionheart and all you know all the great Van Damme films, and he has he has many genuinely great films. I, I think he's fantastic. Uh, but Black Eagle, so cool. He's you know this Russian agent and everything. Awesome, awesome shit. 
So, so I, pre- I pre-ordered Blu-rays, you know, when it's something that really fucking matters when it's one of those like game changing films. And actually, personally, I think Black Eagle is just a lot of people somehow don't realize it, um, just how important a film that was. So my thinking is, it's like, okay, I get official software with this, with this Blu-ray drive. Awesome. I can, uh, you know, I won't have to deal with the headache of cracking and of, of, you know, downloading new libraries for VLC because VLC player, which is my favorite media player has been for also for over a decade. Um, you know, it can, it can do Blu-rays. The thing is, is that the kind of the, the libraries that it uses, the software libraries that it uses have to be updated kind of regularly. So it can be a bit of a headache. And sometimes those libraries don't update as quickly as say the new anti-piracy measures or whatever else. I mean, they, they can claim. So, okay. What, what this is going to be about is what's called AACS advanced access content system. And what it is, it's a, it's a standard for, you know, handling DRM for handling digital rights management. Okay. Particularly uh, with Blu-rays. I mean, and it works for other things too, but let's be clear here. This is completely about, about DRM, you know, and, and trying to stop piracy. They can claim it's for other bullshit, but they're full of shit when they say that. Okay. So anyway, I don't want to deal with having to constantly crack that, whatever, fine. They kind, they kind of win. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll, I'll go with the official software. So, all right. So my disc drive comes with my pioneer Blu-ray disc drive or yeah. Uh, optical drive, whatever comes with, comes with power DVD 12. Now that's a couple generations back. I think right now they're up to either power DVD 16 or 17 or something. Okay, fine. But they keep updating it. And I would assume that pioneer would not include software that can't also read BDXL, you know, Blu-ray discs XL, which is kind of the latest standard that allows for all kinds of shit. So, all right. So I, I figure I'm safe. This is fairly future-proof, even though I can't find a Blu-ray disc drive that, that is natively USB-C. I mean, yeah, I, I could switch out the cord, I suppose, but anyway, what, or, you know, and I have adapters that I can put on. That's, that's fine, but you get my point. So, all right, so I do this. And so I go to, all right, I install, I install it. I put it on my Windows machine. I install Power DVD 12. You know, here we go. I, yeah, I agree. I'll, here's your bullshit. Fine. Yeah. Okay. You're spying on me. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. Fine. Um, and then I, I put in the movie. Here we go. I'm ready to go. It's a beautiful Saturday. Let's do this. All right. I'm going to watch this. Then I'll go catch Thor Ragnarok. And I'm going to be able to do this great review on Sovereign Tech where I'm comparing these three uh, comic book films. Okay. And what ends up happening is suddenly I end up in this loop about where Power DVD 12 wants to update uh, the latest AACS. Okay, fine. You know, my, my software is official. Everything on this, on this Windows machine that I'm using, everything is completely official. There's zero crack software whatsoever on it. There's none. All right, I made sure of that. I wanted this thing to, you know, this is pristine, no bullshit. And it just keeps going in a loop. It says, okay, do you want to update now? Yes, click okay. Goes in a loop. Do it again. Click. Okay. No, goes in a loop. And every time I try to play the fucking movie, it won't go. All right, fine. Let's so power. I mean, eventually I'm messing with that for like 20, 30 minutes looking up, you know, on search engines. Okay. How the hell do I solve this? Nobody has a good answer for it. And Cyberlink just keeps telling me, oh, well upgrade to power DVD 16. And you know, then you'll get access to this, 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 this. And it's like $60 or something. And it's like, no motherfucker. I bought a drive that came with this. This is official software. This shouldn't be a problem. And also, you know, this drive is meant to handle some of the latest, uh, 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 you know, standards. 
So fine. Um, and one of the things that I have to do is I have to update the firmware, uh, like or one of the recommendations to solve this this loop that keeps happening with the AACS is to update the firmware on the disk drive or on the optical drive. Fine. Uh, it's hilarious because the firmware is dated 2014 on this drive. And the latest firmware update is from September 9th, 2017. Okay, fine, whatever. I do that. Still doesn't solve it. Okay. So, all right, let's see. Let, let's, I know, I know, you know, VLC player can play Blu-rays. Let's see what kind of horseshit I have to go through, you know, to, to make that work. And I go through the horseshit. I do, you know, there's, there's a couple of files that you have to, that you have to like, there's a config file and, and some library files, whatever that you have to download to make that work. And I go to play it. Doesn't work. Why? Because the, the crack, as it were, for VLC to be able to play Blu-rays is a year behind, like literally it's from 2016 and we're almost in 2018. Okay, fine. Whatever. Fuck you. That, that's okay. I still love you VLC, but whatever. I don't give a shit. I get this close to where I'm taking that hard earned Patreon money and say, you know, for sovereign tech and saying, all right, I'll buy the new version of power DVD just because this is, this is driving me nuts. I, and I don't have the time. I just don't have the time to deal with this. But then I say, yeah, you know, all right, hold on, hold on. What are the alternatives? Because I haven't really looked into like media playing software outside of VLC in a little while, you know? And so I was like, all right, let, let's, let's see what else is out there. So I do a search, checking stuff out and I come upon what's called, I, I find like this top 10 list. And two of the pieces of software in the top 10 list say they're completely free. One of them, I look up, it's like Da player or something, and there hadn't been an update in a while. And so I'm like, oh, I don't have any confidence in this. And in fact, I there couldn't even really find uh, a fully official, uh, you know, official website for it, which you don't just want to go downloading software, especially something with codecs, because codecs can get pretty deep. <laughs> you know, in, in your OS. Uh, so I, you know, because it can end up be, you know, working across apps. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't want to do that. So the other piece of software I find is called, uh, Lewo, L E A W O Lewo. I'll call it Lewo or Lewo, maybe Lewo. How about that? Lewo player. Um, link is in the show notes for episode 254 folks. If you want to give this thing a shot. And obviously it's software out of China because China doesn't give a shit about IP or DRM, it seems for that matter. And good for you. I like, I like that attitude, baby. Woo. I install it takes, I mean, download it, you know, it's like a hundred some odd meg, whatever. Okay, fine. You know, it takes a minute or two. And then, uh, then I install it that hit, that gets done in a minute or two, you know, so all together we're talking, you know, and then in one minute, um, you know, I, I, I double click. And I press and it, it automatically detects, um, you know, my E drive, which is the, the pioneer Blu-ray drive. It sees the Superman, the extended edition is in there. And I press play all together in five minutes with the solution. I'm finally fucking watching Superman after an hour of pure bullshit dealing with nothing other than DRM that I shouldn't have to deal with because I'm dealing because I mean, here, look, I paid the price. I laid down all the fees. I've got all the, I did all the latest firmware. I updated everything. I, you know, I, I've got the, all the latest updates on windows 10, the windows 10 copy. I've got, oh, it's all official. Everything's, everything's by the book. And I still couldn't watch my fucking movie. I was so fucking livid because this, every time I hear somebody say, 
well, but don't you think that the, you know, the, the movie studios need to make money? Shouldn't you be paying for those films? Isn't it, you know, don't you think downloading movies is kind of bad or wrong? If you really love it, won't you pay for it? Yeah, I did pay for it. I paid for a, a movie that I've bought so many times in so many formats because the movie's from 1978 and I couldn't watch it. I did everything official and I couldn't fucking watch it. And I'm just going, holy, sh- what, what, what is going on? <laughs> I mean, this is. Folks, okay. Now you know you know the Golden Stallion's an anarchist. Okay. Now I don't I don't like to put any prefixes or suffixes on that if I can help it. All right. But I'll tell you, you know, a lot of I mean, I have and, and my listenership also is a very wide range of anarchism. I've got anarcho-communists, syndicalists, ca- capitalists, whatever. You know, when I hear some of my audience complain about capitalism and all that. This is exactly what they're talking about. Because let me tell you what this racket was. This AACS thing, I really, I think this was all a fucking racket to have me, look, I already, I technically bought Power DVD 12. They wanted me to upgrade. They wanted, and this is it. If they keep pushing, they say it's to stop. They say, you know, I mean, this is what's so funny is that, you know, the movie industry, whoever, you know, the hardware manufacturers, whatever they say, AACS is all about, you know, we got to stop piracy that way that the movie studios can get paid and all that fucking horseshit. This is rent seeking. It's eternal goddamn rent seeking that everybody who has a critique about capitalism says is what happens. And it fucking happened. Yes, it did at this minute level. You would think that such a niche industry, which is supposedly a niche industry because everybody's fucking streaming shit. Nobody's by, nobody's into physical media anymore. A bunch of minimalists, blah, blah, blah. Ah! You would think that the, you know, they'd be just happy to just get a little bit of money that they can out of this niche, you know, non-streaming analog industry. Well, it's not analog. I mean, this is as digital as it gets, but you get my point. I'm not, look, I'm not critiquing. I get it. You know, capitalism just, just means free market. Well, supposedly for some people, but understand where some of these critiques come from. Cause this is, I mean, this is so God damned dumb that I had to go through that. Doesn't matter if you play it all by the book, they're still going to try They're, they're going to try and squeeze every last little, little inch out of you. And thank you people of China for making a free piece of software, not giving a goddamn shit about the law and allowing me to download that piece of software. And look, if the Chinese government puts some kind of spyware on my windows machine, I don't fucking care better them than the goddamn NSA. How much more money do I have to put down to watch a movie from 1978? You sons of bitches. It's ridiculous. Oh, well, do you understand that, that since like in the past two days, like I've gone to the theaters twice. Yeah. I used movie pass, but you know, the, the theaters don't care. Believe me. I know. Like the guy asked me today when I went to go see Thor, he's like, how do you like this movie pass thing? This is pretty cool. And then he told me, he says, actually, there's an even better deal. Look, the movie theaters don't care because people are coming in and they're getting paid anyway. They don't give a shit. They love movie pass. Okay, but that's the thing is like, look, yeah, I'm going to the movies. Hell, even if I didn't have movie pass this weekend, I would have gone to see Justice League and Thor. I would have paid full price. I don't give a shit. I'll see it. I'll, I'll pay money when I want to fucking see something. Do you understand? How much more do you want from me? 
especially me. Do you understand? Do you realize? Do you, do you hear the amount of history that I'm laying out on you? Is because I have been, I, I've had this, this, this torrid love affair with the entertainment industry my whole life. I've given you everything, and you still want more. I'm being kind of funny, folks, in my anger. Please, please don't think that I consider this to be like the most important subject on planet Earth. I get it. They're starving people in Ethiopia. I know. Okay. But this is still bullshit. The abstract concepts, what the analogies that could be pulled from it, all of them are fucking terrible, though. You got to admit it. It's so bad. So I'm telling you, I'm telling you, in my opinion, if there were such a thing as morality, the moral thing to do would be to torrent and pirate every goddamn thing because these people are out of control. They are out of control. And if you're that passionate to where you're willing to go through all the work and whatever the hell it fucking takes, okay, to, you know, to, to either do the pirate thing or whatever, I mean, look, then you've got that passion. You're the best marketing in the world. When you're excited about the new Thor movie, when you're excited about a new Superman Blu-ray or, or a new version of Superman coming out, when you're excited about Justice League or whatever else like that, like you should be the, 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 the fucking movie theaters, the movie industry, I'm sorry, the movie industry, the entertainment industry, overall, comic books, books, music, whatever, they should see you as the loss leaders because you're the marketing. You're the real marketing. You're the ones that are like, oh my God. I mean, do you know how many people... Do you know how many people I've convinced to like, to become huge star Wars fans? I did that. I know it. Do you know how many people I've convinced? And I've said this so many times because uh, sometimes when you listen to the show, you'll hear an ad for Babylon five. I said one day Straczynski, the creator of Babylon five, he's going to have to cut me a fucking paycheck because I know how many hundreds, if not thousands now of people that I've gotten to watch that goddamn show. You can't get marketing better than a passionate fan about what you got. And baby, you should be paying them. They shouldn't have to buy your shit. But they would anyway, but then you make it fucking impossible for them. Fucking greed. It's like the goddamn, you know, in the 90s. Look, I, I really want to get into reviewing these films, okay? In the 90s, you had, what was the company? Like Fleer? You had a bunch of these trading card companies. I was really into trading cards. Not not so much necessarily like baseball cards, even though I, I did like like baseball, you know, plenty fine. Uh, still kind of a fan. I mean, I, you know, I still suffer from Mets fan. I just, it flares up every once in a while. Okay. I'm, I'm from New York. What do you want? Uh, so not so much baseball cards, but like, you know, they had like the Marvel Series 3 cards. I've talked about some of this stuff either on Sovereign Tech Prime or on a Patreon episode. Um, or, I mean, you had all these different, you know, really cool, like DC Comics had cards and and they were awesome because you could read them and they were like mini history lessons. Each one of these cards, they were so great. And it started getting to the point to like, you know, you try to get complete sets and everything. And yeah, I mean, that, that was supposedly the point is, yeah, collect them all. And it got to the point, especially like in once it got past the mid 90s, when it got into the later 90s, it got to the point where like Flair was like, oh, yeah, there's 20 hologram cards. You're not even guaranteed one hologram card if you buy a box because, you know, you can either buy a pack or you could buy an entire box. And usually and sometimes, you know, real serious collectors would buy an entire box because then. Uh, what used to be the order of the day back in the eighties, especially, and look, I know I was there. Okay. In the eighties, when you bought a box, you were effectively buying a complete set, you know, if you could afford that. But then it got to the point where you had to buy like five, six boxes to even dream of trying to get a complete set. It was mass mad. I mean, it, it was, it, <laughs> yes, mass madness. It's crazy. 
I mean, and that's just pure fucking greed. What kid can fucking, I mean, look, and, and I came from a family that was pretty well off. All right. But what kid really can buy six, seven, eight boxes, not packs, boxes of cards to get a complete set. It's an insult. Don't tell me that that's the fucking market. Bull, shut up. They're kids. Man. I, I Look, you know, I, I say this all the time. I get it. You know, I know the Ayn Rand quote. I know it very, I know Ayn Rand very, very well. Okay. I know the quote. Profit's not a dirty word. My response has been for years on this show, and it's my response. Very simply, value isn't a dirty word either, and we've long lost value. Yeah, greed, whatever. Yeah, no, I, I get it. Greed. Oh, greed is good. Blah, blah, blah. Fuck. I, I don't care. But there is a point where, where it, it is just, it's, it's crazy. It's too much. It gets to the point where it insults the human condition, quite frankly. And it insults the fans and it pisses on the fans, the people that love you. And if you had any goddamn empathy, you wouldn't do it. Provide value for people and they will love you forever. They will follow you to hell. They will go through all the, all those years of where they get nothing and blah, blah, blah. And then when you're ready to come back, they will be there with open arms. Just don't piss on them. Don't treat them like shit. And the entertainment industry is just treating people like shit and mass even when they try to go do it by the book and by the numbers and play it the right way they play it straight you still fuck them fuck you <laughs>